0: The great blessings we have in being a family is that there are so many incidents, songs that tie us together, particularly the one we just sang, 318. Got some fond memories and touching moments of singing that song with Tommy Wheeler when he was in the hospital, Uh, precious moments. God has blessed us, I appreciate, I've always said I appreciate Jerry and the selection of songs that he picks, that he always does a good job, Uh, he almost got it today, of course I didn't give him my outline so he didn't know what one I was going with or which way I was going, but he picked two major points of my sermon this morning. And I'll uh, uh, spare you the third one of my trying to lead that one. Uh, but just to mention it, one is the love of God. The second point would be, I love the Lord. And then the third point would be number 596, I love you with the love of the Lord. We have God's love, our love for God, and the love that we are to have for one another. And indeed, we ought to be able to sing that. I love you with the love of the Lord. Each day that we live, each time that we have to be together, indeed, is just a precious time and a glorious time enabling us, challenging us to look forward to a time when We can sing eternally with our God in heaven. We want to consider that thought of the love of the Lord for us, what he's done for us, what he's doing for us, our love for him, and then our love for one another. going to flip over to 1 John in chapter 4 and in verse 16. 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 16. And we have known and believed that the love of God, the love that God has for us, God Is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. God is love. He is the source of all good. He is the source of all that is good. He loves and he shows us how to love how grateful are we for the fact that and it's love for us that he allows us time to adjust volumes on the PA system that he allows us time to grow but is it any different in the physical realm is it any different when there's a newborn baby in the family? That you give that child time to grow? And that you deal with the imperfections and the hardships that come along the way? I always get in trouble when I use the personal illustrations, I guess. <clears throat> but this thrills my soul to watch my son with a, his son because my grandson has his granddaddy in him. And he's going to put his, my son to the test as the years unfold. But it's simply saying, you give a child time to grow. It's been fun to watch children grow. It's to see the changes that take place. Uh, to see Zachary grow and see him become a child of God. Uh, great things that take place along the way. It, it's a th- it thrills the soul. But it takes time. And there's imperfections along the way. <clears throat> None of us that are old have any imperfections in us, do we? Uh, yeah, all right. You know, right. We've all got to figure it out and do what's right. We never stumble along the way, never forget what we ought to do and need to be reminded. Uh, God is patient with us. He is love. He is the source of love. And He teaches us how to love, how to be patient. What would we do if we did not have His Word and the promises that He's given to us in His Word? That if you confess your sins, God's still going to chalk them up in His memory. Is that what we would want? Is that what we expect? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us of our sins and to do what else? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, I know you know those verses. I see you citing them back to me. <laughs> uh, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What a blessing that is. This love that God has for us. I know it's true because we are still here. God loves us. I know that time has no relevance to God for he is eternal. But he's created us with a limitation of life. And in that limitation we begin to learn some things along the way. You start with Genesis 1, and you begin to read. And when you get into chapter 3, you see the change that takes place. And God did not end life when Adam and Eve sinned, did he? Time-wise, we do not know exactly depends on who you want to listen to for one thing, I guess, but time is not, we do not know the beginning, when it took place exactly, but there's consensus that it was probably 4,000 years before Christ came into this world, been 2,000 years since Christ has come into this world, so approximately 6,000 years of human history, we're still here. Why? Why? God loves us. His desire is that we would become his children and that we would desire to dwell with him eternally in heaven one day. But in this 6,000 years of history, if that be the case, he has born with us. He works with us. He challenges us, he rebukes us, he covers our sins, he picks us up when we're fallen. he reminds us that we do not have it all figured out. And we get to work with that. Since the beginning of time and coming on down through, how many times has man tried to make things right? We live in a world that we're still trying to do that. Are we not? If we just get this right, we'd we'll be okay. If this is only, if this would take place, then things would be a lot better. And on and on it goes. And the joy, if you will, of our growing older is that the older ones can remind us. We read it in the scripture as well, but the older older ones can remind us, listen, there is nothing new under the sun. What we go through is what mankind has been going through from the beginning. You just read the history, read scripture history, read secular history, and that's what you find as you go all the way down through history. Man trying to make things the way he wants them to be, and they never are the way he wants them to be. Because there's a God who has other plans and other reminders to us. One is to remind us we are not self sufficient. The life that you have is not yours, it was given to you. You're not self sufficient. You're not able to survive on your own. You live in a world that God has created. You breathe the air that God has created. And every motion that you make was designed by God. We are not self-sufficient, but he does work with us. How do I know about the love of God? Because I read in Romans 5 and verse 8. God commends his own love towards us, And that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. That's how we know God loves us. Human beings are imperfect. (laughs) We work with that. But the fact that God loves us and that while we were yet sinners, yet while we were sinners, while we were in transgression against God, while we were in rebellion to God, God loved us enough to give Jesus to die for our sins. And that He's still with us. Since you've become a child of God, you've learned not to transgress anymore, have you not? Phew. We still do. And every time you do, you, you don't know that you did it. And he's still patient with us. That's the depths of God's love for us. That's the reminder to us of what he is striving to do within our lives. You look in First John chapter 4. And in verse 10 in this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins big word to simply say God paid the price for your sins the wages of sin is what death Christ paid that on the cross the just for the unjust there and how we know that God loves us Again, you read biblical history, you read secular history, and all the way through biblical and secular history, what do you read? Man fighting against man. One war, one nation, whatever it is. Constant warfare. Each one trying to dominate, each one trying to say, what I believe is better than what you believe and you need to listen to me. And if you will not listen to me, I will force that upon you or I'll take your life, whatever. All this out there, that's what all we read about. And we read about the inhumanity of man against man. Biblical history, secular history. And we're being reminded, God loves us. And he paid the price for our sins. We have that tendency, maybe you don't have it the tendency to categorize sins. Little white lies, you know, the big black lies. Uh, little white lie is not quite as bad as the sin of committing murder. You know, there's, you know, we just look at it and we, we justify. You don't do that, do you? You don't justify what you're doing? <laughs> well, that that's what I needed to do in this particular case. If I didn't, then things would be different. No, I'll add to that. <laughs> It'd be different. Oh, when will we ever learn? It's always interesting to be around children, uh, particularly as school begins or the holidays over. Particularly when school begins, to listen to the older children talk to the younger children. You know, I've heard fifth graders talk to third graders, and. Fifth grader trying to tell the third grader, listen to me. I'll tell you what it's going to be like when you go into third grade. They really know, don't they? (laughs) hate to say that, but that's us all the way through our life. Let me tell you what I think you want to do. Let's read what God has to say. Because he has some things to say about his love for us. God will overlook sin. I have not read that in the scriptures anywhere. I have not read the big sins and little sins. I have not read that in the scriptures. The wages of sin is death. Something that we've earned. And that's the, only, that's the only case that I know of that you really do not want to receive what you have earned. If you're in a job, you're in a paycheck. When it comes to payday and they hand you the checks, and say, no, I don't want it. Take it back. You've earned it. It's yours. What well, we live our lives, the wages of well, what we do in our life is death, separation from God. Jesus said, I'll pay that price. And you're going to refuse that? Have you ever considered, as you read scriptures, what the consequence is? How hell is described, I've said it many times. If hell was only one-tenth as bad as the Bible describes it, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, the flames that are eternal... All those descriptions, of darkness, utter darkness. If it was this one tenth as bad as the Bible describes, I'd want no part of it. But the fact is, it's not one tenth as bad. It's a thousand times worth, or more than that. There is no way to describe eternity, heaven or hell. There's just no way to describe it. We have a trust that it will work out. We have a trust that if we serve God, indeed, He will bless us along the way. Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 that the Lord is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's God's love for us. He does not want you to perish, but He makes You, a free moral being that can choose. What a responsibility that is. You have the ability to choose. What choices do we make? He's not willing. He's not wanting that to take place. He gives every opportunity along the way. Gives every reminder to us of what we are capable of doing if we will but turn our life over to him. I know that the love that God has for man It's described again in Romans 5, Romans 8, excuse me, verses 35 and following. What can separate us from the love of God? Starts with an N. Nothing. Nothing can separate us. There will be things that will separate us but nothing can separate us from God if that is the, our desire. That's what we want. I want to be so close to God that whatever it is, you look at some, some of the things described there in Romans 8.35 and following. Things that we would look at and say, Oh, that's bad. I don't want that suffering. I don't want that persecution. There is nothing in this life that can, that should be able to separate us from the love of God. That's our choice. You choose. That's one of those heavy responsibilities. But we learn it in life. You make choices. You start with the youngest and you work your way up. We make choices along the way. A child is expected to be the child at the age that the child is, and whatever that goes along with it. But as you grow, then you're expected to do things differently. As you learn, as you learn more about God and his love for us, does that not change how you want to live your life? When I consider again the patience that God has with us, from the creation down to this present time, his patience with his creation is the depths of his love for us. How could I want to do anything different than that? And then we need to look at man's love for God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and mark as in it with all your strength. You love God. Supreme love. What do I know about love? I know what God did for me. How far am I willing to do that with my brothers and sisters? We know it happens. There are those in the world who choose by their occupation the willingness to risk their lives to save another. It happens in accidents a lot of times. There are those who will go into a burning building or a car on fire to save the occupants of the car or those in the building. Some have lost their lives. That's the love. Do we love him that way? Do we love God that way? That we don't want nothing. There's nothing out there. There's nothing that man can do that can change what God has done. You look over in the book of Hebrews and in chapter 13. Look at verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Do what? Be content with such things as you have. We always want a little bit more, it seems like. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, I've got a vivid imagination. And I can think of all kinds of things. But every single one of them is physical. Every single one of them deal with the physical. And one thing I know, just by observation, by scripture, the physical life is going to end. Like a vapor appears for a little while, and then vanishes away. So whatever it is in the physical life that man wants to do to me is only Temporary of April. It may seem like eternity but there is a promise that it is not eternity. It seems like it will never end but that's the physical life it will end. It's the eternity that matters. So what can man do to me? If I'm right with God, if he holds me in the palm of his hand, what can man do to me? He's there to help his children. To take us into eternity with Him one day. That's the greatest commandment: is to love God with your whole being. How do we love God? What did John say in John fourteen fifteen? If you love me, do what you want. No, keep my commandments. If you're loving you, keep my commandments. Not my thoughts or my wishes or my, this would be good for you. Keep my commandments. These are things that are commanded of us by God. They're not options along the way. Sometimes we try to make them options. But they're commandments of God. And we love him. Since I already know how much God loved me, why is it so hard for me to love him by doing what he says to do? Because anything that he's asked of me, anything that he's required of me, is always, always for my good. It always works for my good. It's just sometimes I've got to learn to let go and let God. Just let go. You don't know what's going to happen. Let go and let God. We've lived life long enough to know that when we can do that, or as we look back, as we struggle through some of those difficult times, we already see the hand of God. We've already seen how he's moved. And again, the, the, the movement of God of us physically to be at this particular place at this particular time. Again, do you understand how many lives were involved for that even to begin to take place? Some of us have been forced enough not to have to move often. Some of us have moved fairly often. Some of us have moved fairly often into different parts of the United States. West, east, north, south. I'm just simply saying all of that. How many lives were involved in all of that? How many prayers were offered in the Northeast? How many Christians up there were praying for a preacher to come work with them? How many Christians in Illinois, Michigan, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, Texas. Do you understand how many lives were involved? I mean, we're just talking about one person. You put us all together. How many lives were involved? Because, again, most of us here are are transplants. (laughs) we're, We're transplants. We came from someplace else. How many Christians, and I've used that before, to so think, how many Christians were involved in just me becoming a child of God? Wow. It's just hard to say. And then you, and you, and you, and you, and you. How many Christians were involved to make that possible? Can I not trust God? That every bad that I see that has taken place, every heartache I have seen that's taken place, every devastation that's come my way, God uses it and God's involved and not only that God God limits what is able to take place because of trust in him he watches over he works it for good why do we love him because he first loved me I mean, how else can you explain it? Love the God. I love the Lord my God because he first loved me. How could I not love him and not want to serve him? You never know what that's going to bring about. You're back to Genesis 22. Read about Abraham. Being told to offer up his son Isaac upon an altar being told that Isaac been told beforehand that Isaac is the one through whom the seed would come and now he's been told to go out into the wilderness and to offer Isaac as a sacrifice unto God as you read Genesis 22 do you see any hesitation on the part of Abraham God says go Abraham goes Isaac what does he do he kind of looks around us. He not that I see. Uh, I see the wood, and I see all of this. He says, "Where's the sacrifice?" And what is he told? The Lord will provide the sacrifice. You see, I trust in Abraham. You talk about a supreme test. You see that trust in Abraham? The scriptures remind us, Genesis reminds us that when Abraham had raised a knife, the Lord, an angel, stayed his hand. He said, Now I know. What did he know? What did he know? Now I know. Abraham was willing to make that sacrifice. Why? Because he believed in the promise that if he made the sacrifice, reminded in Romans and in Hebrews, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. You talk about impossibility? But Abraham had a faith in God. It's why I can love the Lord. He keeps His word. He's made a promise to keep it. We want it to be our way, do we not? We want things to go our way, and we get reminders that they do not. Some odd reason that microphone is closer than I want it to be. But it's not our way. It's not how I think it ought to be. It's God's will. What is He looking for? And the sacrifices that were made along the way. Then there's man's love for one another. Greater love has no man than this. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. That new commandment I give you in John 13, 34. That you love one another. And look at the rest of it. You love one another as I have loved you. How are you doing on that one? (laughs) How are you loving one another as Christ has loved you? None of us have any oddities. None of us have any little burrs that kind of get under the saddle of somebody else, do we? No, I didn't think so. Yes, right. I am to love as Christ love you as Christ has loved me. That you also love one another. God loved us, first John four eleven. We also also ought to love one another. God knows that. God knew that we would need him. Going back to Genesis four. What did Cain do? And yet, what was God willing to do? If you do what? What is right? Will you not be accepted? You have transgressed. You have sinned against God. But if you will do what is right... You will be accepted. Does that not give hope? We transgress, but if we do what is right, we have hope within our lives. Read First Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. you read them, You read it before, chapter on love. As you read through it, read it through it again. And in every place where you have the word love, Put the word God. God is patient. God is kind. God is long-suffering. And after you've gone through that and thought about that for a while, go back and read it again. And every time there is the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-8, every place you find the word love, you put your name in there. Put your name in there. How are you doing? David is patient, David is kind, David is (laughs) long-suffering. It's hard to get those words out. (laughs) Because we're not always that way, are we? But God is patient with you. And God wants you to serve him and be found pleasing in his sight. Time has been granted. Opportunity has been given. God wants us to be his children and wants us to go to heaven. It may be that we've let things of the world begin to creep in, that things of the world begin to push out this love that we are to have for God and this love that we're to have for one another. It's time to renew that love to God again. As this year goes forth, may we grow in understanding God's love for us understanding our love for God and understanding our love for one another. If we need to make changes. We need to do that. It may need to be done this privately in our lives. Maybe may be that we need the prayers or the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But if we have that opportunity, if we have that opportunity, if you have that need, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, making a life right with God so that indeed eternity and in he- heaven would be your home. Make that known this morning as together we stand and sing.